Well, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, Kim Frost is joining us. She is the executive director for the Pregnancy and Family Resource Center and is doing a fabulous job over there. Um, I had the privilege to hear Kim speak on two separate occasions. And if you have not had the privilege to do that, if you have had the privilege to do that, you know what I'm talking about when I say that she's something special. But if you haven't had the opportunity today, you will. And um, Kim, I got a pleasure to meet with Kim a couple weeks ago, and we are kindred spirits. Uh, Kim has loved Jesus since she can remember. She was born and raised in El Dorado. This is her home. She moved away for a season and then came back. Um, she's been leading at the family and uh, family Pregnancy and Family Resource Center for five years. But three years ago, she met Brad, and they married. Um, Kim has five children, and Brad has one. So together, they have six kids, and they have a plane whose name is Charlie Brown. And they live out in Benton, and Charlie Brown takes them on adventures. And and so we are glad that they are um, together and joyful and here today with us. Um, Kim says that she hopes that God will use the center for his glory. Um, She wants to encourage the church to get out of our comfort zones, to serve the little ones who cannot speak for themselves. Um, It's been a joy to hear Kim's heart, and so today we asked her to come and share what God's laid on her heart for the church and for our community. So if you would welcome Kim this morning. Thank you. Okay, a <laughs> couple things, a couple things, my son encouraging me, my oldest son and my youngest son are here out of my four boys, five now, and uh, Gabe leaned forward and his encouraging spirit said, don't screw this up, <laughs> so I appreciate that, we speak life in our family, we're very encouraging to one another, so pretty much I feel like I'm, you know, whatever. And then second of all, I'm usually holding a mic. I'm not used to this little thing here, which she promised me would be easy, but you don't know what happened after you put it on. If you have cameras in your bathroom, it would be hilarious. I literally got completely tangled up and uh, it was a sight. So anyway, hopefully we're set. We'll be good. And I am privileged to be here today. Um, That video, is that not precious? Really could have ended after the little kid speaking with the little lisp. And so I'm going to give this talk in a baby voice so I can keep you guys' attention. I'm just kidding, you guys. Hey, I was also encouraged when I came in this morning and they had a prayer time. You all had a prayer time at 9.45. We showed up and I figured it would be the pastor and the praise team, the pastors and the praise team, and we would just gather in here. And it was like already church. Like half of you showed up for the prayer um, time, and that is so encouraging for me to see because I truly believe that we are in the midst of revival beginning in our land. I truly, truly believe that the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and call out to me, I will come and I will heal their land. And I get to see that when people start noticing the importance of prayer, revival's coming. When people are not so afraid of the word repentance, Revival's coming, and I truly believe that, and I believe one of the other signs, and of course I just fit this in nicely to my, one of my huge convictions is about life. Look at how people view the preciousness of life, and you'll also see God's heart in man. If we can't protect those who are unborn, the most precious to God, he says, I formed you and knit you together, and we have a culture that has disregarded that. 
and has thrown that to the side. And there are very many, many victims in abortion, not just that child, but that precious woman and that precious man that are involved. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. (laughs) I did pray about what I could uh, share with you when she asked me just to go ahead and do the sermon. I was thinking, Lord, do you have a word for Hope Covenant Church? And um, I'm kind of surprised by the word because honestly, I feel like you're already doing what I'm going to talk about, but maybe I'm just preaching it to hear myself preach it, or maybe someone in this room needs a, a um, a confirmation of what the Lord's doing in your life, or maybe there's someone here that really does need to hear this. But I'm going to talk about living in your comfort zone versus living outside your comfort zone and the difference between the two. So, and before, let me clarify. There are some comfort zones you should live in. If you are going skiing on a mountain and you've never been, or if you ever had, it wasn't successful, your comfort zone might be the baby bunny. Is it baby bunny hill? What's it called? Just the bunny hill. I just want to, I want to soften it because I'm terrified of it, but I did go skiing. Um, you do crazy things when you're falling in love and you think you can do things like skiing. So uh, we took the family skiing. <laughs> My comfort zone was not the, even the bunny hill, but I kind of mastered that, kind of prepared for that. And then before I finished that day, we decided to go on the like black slope. Was it black? Oh, it was green. <laughs> I don't know. It was death to me. It was black. Black in my mind, but anyway. Three broken, bro- three broken bones and a broken knee later, I was carried off that hill, and my kids were down at the bottom hearing that. They, in case you don't know, if you have an accident on a mountainside, <laughs> keep it quiet and just try to slide down, because what they do is they come up and get you, and then they go in front of you blowing a whistle and clanging things. Like, coming with the idiot behind us and trying to be on the black or whatever it is. And then my kids were down at the bottom and they said, they truly did, oh, please don't let that be mom. (laughs) It's me. So there are comfort zones that we need to stay in. I hope your home is a comfort zone. I pray that it's your safe place. I pray that your relationship with God is your comfort zone. But I'm going to tell you something. You walk very long with the Lord, and he's going to ask you, come outside the comfort zone. There are sayings like, uh, the comfort zone is a beautiful place to live, but nothing grows there. That life begins one step out of the comfort zone. So, that's what kind of happened in my life. Um, In Ephesians 2.10, the Lord says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. Not just for the carols, but for you and I as well. Sometimes when I think called by the Lord, I think of ministering in a church uh, as a pastor or some big thing. But some of us are called in all different sorts of ways, and that's a whole other sermon. So I'm going to leave that between the Holy Spirit and you. But God is wanting to do a new thing in your life. I am here by the authority of the Holy Spirit. I don't come in my own name because I don't got much except for those type of stories about breaking bones and all that sort of thing and the craziness of my life. But I can tell you by the authority of him based in Isaiah 42, 16. And I was thinking there's a, there's a heaviness with the word as we read it today. And I just really, sometimes when pastors will preach and they read the word, I kind of zone out sometimes. I don't know why. I'm sorry, but I'm just like, uh, and I just really want us to pause and hear the words of the Lord. And it's to you today for such a time as this. Isaiah 42, 16. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in paths that they have not known, I will guide them. 
I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things that I do, and I do not forsake them. So I want you to just have a moment, if I could, not to be too much of a control freak. (laughs) I never do that. But if I could, I would love for you just to have a little fellowship with the Lord during this talk, just you and him. Lord, instead of thinking, I hope Susie's here today and she's hearing that because I would really apply to, I'm praying that the Lord would just speak to you personally. He is saying to his body, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. What is the Lord calling you to do? What area have you been holding back, perhaps terrified to give it up? I mean, we've all kind of had to come to those places in our life where we're like, okay, I'll go to Africa. Does everybody else fear going to Africa? I don't know. Some of you want to go to Africa. My kids did, but I was like, uh, my big thing as I was growing up is I was worried if I got sold out to the Lord, I'd go around and speak, but I'd get cancer and I'd die when I was young. When I turned 51, don't be shocked. Don't, I heard breaths of, oh, wow, she looks 28. But um, <laughs> don't laugh. That's not nice. Anyway, so now if I die, I'm not young anymore. So that didn't come to play, but it was a crazy thing how my, how my brain worked. But it was this fear that God might not want what was good for me, not, not, might not give me the desires of my heart. And it was just a fear, and I always kind of held back some of that. And the Lord is continuing. It's a process. I haven't arrived, but it's a process of the Lord taking me to a freer place of thinking. I have at least 51 years now. I can look back and think, you know, everything good, everything good in my life came from a loving Father's hand. Every good thing, even in the midst of broken bones, I learned a lot. Do I want to repeat that? No. Did I earlier with the ankle and a piece of ice? Yes. But that's another story. I should be dragging this leg, you know. But anyway... Um, the Lord wants to do something new in our lives, and he's wanting to, to deal with you on that issue of what are you holding back for. The time is now. It's time. It's time for us to quit playing, and it's time for us to get serious just between you and the Lord. So I'm going to take you somewhere in Scripture, and it's in Exodus 3. I don't know if you bring your Bibles or normally I think your speakers are uh, together enough to have it given to the guys, but I didn't. But let me just read to you Moses in the burning bush, um, starting with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. (laughs) That was on the next page. It did not burn So Moses thought, I will go over and I'll see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. I don't know if he said it like that, let's be honest. (laughs) Here I am. It's just normal to see a burning bush. I think he probably said, here I am, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and I bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So right there, the Lord's sharing his vision. He's sharing his vision, and he's saying, I have heard the cry of hurting people. Our God is still hearing the cries of hurting people. Guys, it is a, it's pretty rough out there, isn't it? Everybody thinks their time is rougher. Um, you know, we grew up hearing the stories of our parents walking to school, you know, uphill. And then when they walked home, it was uphill too. It's crazy. But the reality is, it says in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. And we're seeing that happen over and over. And it's leading to such where they're not even in touch with things of the Lord. They don't even want to think about him. They don't want to think about him. But there's something that they're crying out at night on their bed after the drug binge, and they don't want to do that again, after an abusive situation in the home, after walking a life that they never dreamed of when they were little, and they're crying out to the Lord. And the Lord is hearing their cries. And we are that response. We are the image bearers of Christ. We are the response, not the answer, but the response that God used to, the holy, to a, um, a world that's crying out to him. So he tells Moses, I'm going to take them to a good place. That's the good news we have. We're going we're gonna to take them to someone who will empower them through the Holy Spirit. If they surrender their lives to him, they'll have the Holy Spirit to empower them to do things they never dreamed they could do, to feel loved and safe and secure. Anxiety and panic attacks have moved up. I don't have the statistics, but I am guaranteed I can tell you right now they have moved up. It's crazy. The anxiety medication we're all on, it's just there's lots of fear and there's lots of terror, actually, I would even say. People are scared. I see them at the center all the time. They're scared. They're filling their lives with things that make them forget for a little bit how miserable it is. And the Lord says, I'm going to take them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. No longer will they be prisoners. They're going to be free. And they're going to have milk and honey, not just slave food. This is the good news we have. Okay. So, and then he says, I'm going to take them to the home of the, and then a bunch of ites, and uh, I'm like, you try that, it would be funny, but we don't have the time for me to try the five ites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He has three questions that we ask. And I want to just use a few minutes to talk about them in my own life. And and perhaps you might think, who am I? I mean, Moses had a stuttering issue. He didn't like to speak in front of people. He felt like he'd already given a whirl, you know. His comfort zone was to take things in authority as the prince. And he might have murdered somebody and then tried to hide it. And that didn't go out so good. God will never call you to things that are contrary to his word. So you don't have to worry about that. You do not hear in the middle of the night as you're crying out about your finances, go and steal money from the bank tomorrow. You're not going to hear that, okay? So if you hear that, that's not God because he's never going to contradict his word. But he will tell you some crazy things sometimes. So Moses has been out here for 40 years. The Lord's speaking to him from a burning bush. And let's be honest, that'd be kind of nice. I mean, really I'd, p- I'd want to pick the tree that he burned up, but I would really, of course it didn't burn up, but I would kind of think it'd be pretty traumatic to come and find something burning, 
you know, or that rat that you talked about finding underneath if he spoke to you, like the donkey did, like, John, you know. <laughs> That's a story you need to ask him about. It's kind of funny. But anyway, it'd be kind of nice. And then I paused as I was praying over this, and I'm like, Lord, forgive me. We have something so much better than a burning bush. We have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God indwelling in us to speak to us. They didn't have that in that time frame. Because of Jesus, we have that. That is such good news. So those thoughts that you've been having, you know, maybe you're supposed to teach that class. Or you know why you keep bringing up Aunt Martha? Because you're supposed to call her and pray with her over the phone. Or maybe that money you have sitting there that you plan to buy the new jet ski, maybe you're supposed to give that to this cause or to this person or to this church. What is God up to? What is he doing? But he says, who am I? I mean, we know who we are, right? We know what we've done. We know the thoughts that we've thought. We know our past sins. We're, we're reminded of it all the time. And sometimes we hear it in God's voice. But that's not God. God does not speak death over you. God does not condemn you. He gives sweet repentance and conviction. But conviction causes a turning. A condemnation causes a bowing down and a shameful. And that is not what he called us to. Perhaps Moses was thinking of his past. I mean, he'd ignored, you know, his growing up. Uh, I don't, they don't give a lot of information during that time, but he grew up as a prince, and then one day he saw what was happening, and it made him mad, so he tried to take it. He had 40 years out there to think about that. He had 40 years to think about maybe the face of that guard or that whole situation, how it just blew up and how he can't even believe he did that. And he thinks that God has forgotten him, perhaps. So he's out in this desert for 40 years. His past, I mean, I don't know, I'm, any shepherds around here, but I think you're by yourself a lot. <laughs> I think you're wondering a lot. It is not good for me to be by myself for real long. Have you, anybody else in here? Your mind starts going. It starts going, and I can struggle with condemnation. I, I, I'm here to tell you I'm getting more and more free from that, praise God. But when, I was little, when my kids were little, I had five little kids within eight years, and one daughter and four boys. Oh, by the way, that picture on your little thing that you got for the bottles, baby bottle, that's June, and she's my granddaughter, and she's beautiful. So anyway, side note there, but I was struggling with some, convic- some condemnation actually that day, and I just felt like I'm not a good enough mom. I just, I need to do this, and this, and this, and this, and I'm not going to list and confess all my sins to you, but some of them were sins that were already forgiven, most of them, and I was just sitting there, and the kids, the three oldest kids were in the other room coloring, and I was in the other room, and I just fell in this chair, and I just sang, because that's what I do. I just sing. I'm one of those. Just, just go around the house singing. And I was like, ah, what can wash away my sin? Took a breath, and the little ones in the other bedroom, in the other kitchen, sang, nothing but the blood of Jesus, because we had sung. And I'm like, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It was a holy moment. Yeah, gave and Elijah, you did sound like that. <laughs> Actually, Elijah, you were a little guy, so I don't know if you're even singing, but let me just tell you, God, it was a holy moment. And God used the mouth of those babes. Nothing but the blood of 
nothing but the blood. And my little guys are my heroes because God has used my kids to speak to me so often. But again, that's, I digress. That's another sermon. But who am I and the sins that we have and the weaknesses that we have and the fears that we have? Who am I? You're who God says you are. Psalm 139, that's your assignment if that's your struggle. Read it every night before you go to bed out loud. Psalm 139. He knows you. He knows when you sit, when you rise. He knows a word before words on your tongue. He knows it completely. He has hemmed you in behind and before. When I was going through panic attacks and anxiety 20 years ago, wondering how to handle life, I was told to read this, and I read it out. And it was probably like the seventh day, seventh night of reading that, that it finally just trickled over me. He loves me. I have a purpose. I matter. Even if to nobody else, I matter. I had a tendency to feel like I was loved based on how well I did. So I was going to go sing it at the Baptist church. I, I was going to, going to sing one morning, and I said, Lord, if, and I did this quite often because I was real young in my relationship, but I was always going, Lord, you know, it'd be awfully neat if you sent a red bird, because I think they're really pretty, after I sing, and if you're happy with me, send me a red bird. So I'm, and this is in my 20s, I'd like to say that's like 12, but I was in my 20s, and I'm pulling out of the driveway, and I, as, as I stand before you, the brightest red bird I've seen flew right in front of my windshield. I didn't hit him, that would have been a bad story, but I pulled over because I was so moved, and I was like, Lord, I, I said after I sung, I haven't even sung yet, daughter, I love you. I love you before you sing. I loved you before you were born. I love you. And since then, we've had this Redbird love connection, the Lord and I, and it's been pretty precious. Um, the second question, so I want to give you some scripture for that. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. My grace, he says in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Our, our past sins are brought to mind often by the enemy, but that's not the Lord. He does not shame you. He freed you from the shame. He wants to redeem our past. We must quit looking in the rearview mirror. Quit looking in the rearview mirror and quit walking back. Of the, some of you are not even just peeking in the rearview mirror. You're just walking backwards. God, put your eyes on the front of your face. Walk. Do not look back. It's time for somebody in this room to quit Looking back, Kim, it's time to look forward. Um, then we have a mistaken identity. <laughs> we don't know who we are often. If we just understood, if I just understood the identity I have in Jesus, it would be a whole new story. So that's something I'm putting my foot towards and moving forward in is tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. There's lots of scriptures about that, but my time is, is going on. So let's see. Um, he also says, what am I going to say? Let's go back to that. Um, he says, but Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I will have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, well, uh, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what's his name? And then what am I going to tell them? 
That's another fear that keeps us from going outside our comfort zone. What am I going to say? There's a guy at work or there's a girl at work or your neighbor and you really feel drawn to him and you don't know why or they seem sad or something's on your heart about it and you're thinking, well, uh, you know, who am I? Okay, we solved that one. Well, what do I say? Uh, Again, the Lord will give you the words to say. Isaiah had that moment, touched his mouth. He will give you the words to say. And sometimes he won't even give you words. He'll give you an action to do. Just open your heart, and the more you test it, the more... You know, I've never looked down on Peter for not drowning. (laughs) Sorry. I need to go to Bible school. Peter didn't drown, but he did fall in the water. I mean, he did just go down, but honestly, he's the one I admire. He got out of the boat. He knew what it felt like to tell the other disciples and his friends, it was weird, you know, the feeling of that water underneath me turning solid, and I walked towards him. It was amazing. And it was only when I took my eyes off of him and the wind and the waves were kind of freaking me out that I went down, and even then he reached out his hand and he pulled me up. And we got back in the boat, and he calmed the storm. <sighs> I'm sure there were some disciples that were probably going, lucky. But they had the same opportunity. They had the same opportunity. So Let's be like Peter. He was a mess. He was getting in trouble, and he was chopping an ear off one day, and then the next day he's running away, and I'm thinking, yeah, I can identify with that. Lord, I will die for you. And then I'm, the next day, save yourselves. Let's all go. The world's going to hell. So, yeah, I tend to identify with that. But he got out of the boat, and he knows what it feels like. And when he was falling, the Lord reached out, and he didn't shame him. He did say, oh, you have little faith, little faith. But that faith grew so much that he really was willing to die for him and live for him. And we're here because of some of the things those disciples did. And now God's calling us, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. He says, I will be with you. And then the last thing he says is on another page that I just don't have right in front of me. So... Um, I guess now the, the subject that the Lord brings to my mind as I close up is what is he calling you to do? First of all, we have to have things here. And that doesn't take months and months and months. It takes a moment. It takes a moment of surrender. Lord, what are you up to? And what can I be involved in? Lord, even me you can use. And then when things happen, you're able to go, that was all you. That was you, Lord. We don't trust in ourselves. You know, at the center, we were growing out of the seams. If you've never been to 226 South Main, where we are, we're just growing. (laughs) And more and more clients are coming in that we're loving on. And our heart is for parents. And our heart is for that pregnant uh, girl that came in Friday. She's from the college. And she came in and doesn't live around here or anything. And she was terrified because she was pregnant. And she did not want to be. She was not close to the father of the baby. And she was thinking about abortion. So in conversing with her, praise God, we have doors. People can come in and talk about this hard stuff. Praise God, we have seven men that will come in and mentor these young men. Talk to them about being a parent. Talk to them about the choices that their girlfriend or wife is going to make. Talk about how to interact with their children as fathers. Praise God, we have that. Praise God, we have about 13 female volunteers. And we're needing more of each. (laughs) But people want to meet, they want to talk, and then eventually as we build a relationship, we share our hope in Jesus. 
Well, I feel like the Lord uh, was saying, I just kept thinking, man, we're tripping over each other here. Um, something's going on. Are we supposed to move? And we'd only moved two years before because that building was too small. And I just thought, we don't really have, the, our finances are really in order and, and they're great, but they're not super, super, super great. And they definitely don't even have any money whatsoever to buy a building. We rent. And... Uh, but it kept coming in my mind. This is just an example of how it worked for me. So it kept coming in my mind. Hmm, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. So we prayed, and I took it to the board. And the board's like the husband of this thing and, and the covering, and they said, you know, we're just going to pray about it too. We feel the same stirring. So every time I drew, drove by the old gizmos, I would look over there and see that kind of depleted, run-down building. It was huge with all the windows on the front in the middle of town, and I would think, wouldn't that be great? if that became a place of life that spoke life and people could learn how to be families in the kingdom order, wouldn't that be cool? And then we went and prayed at that building, asked to see it, just looked at it. It was all run down. And I'm not very good at envisioning things like I see run down. <laughs> but uh, so I'm not going to say that I went and saw all the potential. I didn't. I just saw run down, but I saw space and I felt this thing, Holy Spirit inside that just says, this is your building. This is, this is, when I say you're the PFRC's building, this is it. I don't know. So we kept praying and we had a board meeting in January, end of January. And we prayed and said, I said, guys, how do you want to handle this whole moving thing? I mean, do we call this lady who owns it? Do we ask her, hey, how much does it cost? Or, and they were asking like a hundred and 62 or something thousand dollars and just a few you know I have that change in my car don't you and I was thinking wow that's a lot it's probably not worth that but it's probably worth about a hundred thousand so this keeps going and the board says you know we're not going to do anything I mean reality is we have no money to do anything and nobody talking to us about it okay well we'll just pray okay so we prayed we felt the Lord was moving I mean, he's telling us, you're probably going to inhabit this place, but we had no clue how. One and a half weeks later, a guy brings a business owner from town into our building, which I normally go to their places, but they came there that day. And we were so packed, they were having to dodge people. The cutest little girl you've ever seen with the tiny pigtails that the mom puts in that you know is probably painful, but it's so cute. She was standing down there, blink, blink, at these people that were walking through. She was so cute, kind of like... Wish I had a bigger building, you know, that type of thing. And they're walking through, and we go back, and they're just there to maybe be an underwriting for, for our banquet that was coming up. So I started sharing all of it. He kept looking at his wife, looking at his wife. Long story short, it's a neat story if I had more time, but long story short, they said, what if we bought that building for you? And what if we put a large amount down, and the little that would be left would be interest-free, pay us whenever, you could pay us rent um, like you're doing, but we'll make sure it's less than what you're paying now. <laughs> and... I, what do you think about that? You think that could be God? <laughs> the banquet was coming up within three, two and a half, three weeks. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could go to the banquet with 500 people and share that we own this building, that God has given this building to be redeemed and restored? We closed the Friday before the Monday banquet. We closed on that. God gets all the glory. So now God owns a run-down, dilapidated building. <laughs> yeah. No. And last I understood how God works, he doesn't see a run-down, dilapidated building. He sees a plan and a place flowing with milk and honey of truth being shared and of revival happening and of 32 different churches working, 32 different churches 
working in this, volunteering. I came in as a homeschool mom. I came in wanting to make a difference in lives. My kids were growing up. I had gone through a divorce, broke my heart. That's another testimony. God was redeeming those things in my life. I asked them if they had something to do. I became a director. The next thing I know, they're asking me to be an executive director. I told the Lord, you have to make it obvious, God. This is out of my comfort zone. It's a big deal, and I don't want to bring this down. And uh, on the way home from that interview, I got a call on the way home, and uh, it was Joel who was the head of the board, and he says, Kim, we want to ask you to be the executive director. And I said, oh, Joel, are you sure? (laughs) Can I tell you a little bit more about myself? And he said to me, and I had told the Lord, please make it obvious. And he said the words to me, it's pretty obvious, don't you think? This is what starts happening when you're walking with the Lord. It's not always that simple, but I'm telling you, it's simpler than we think it is. The hard part is getting out of our own mind and our own, ugh, and more saying, okay, if you think I'm that, okay. If that's how you want to use me, that's what I'll do. So, what's the Lord telling you? What's he leading you to? Amazing things are happening. We now own this building We have no money to fix it. I take that back. Someone wrote a $2,000 check the other day. Praise God, so we started a fund. We're only going to move as God prepares um, that and gives us the money. We will not go further or further or get into debt with that. So pray for us. We're talking about over $200,000, but I just figure God can sell a couple cows on a couple hills. Isn't that right? He owns all of the cows. I don't know the the value for cows right now. I don't even know why I'm talking about cows right now. But somehow it made sense in my mind before it came out, which was like seconds before I said it. But anyway, a bunch of cows, he's going to sell them, and it's going to happen, and it's going to happen in his time frame, and it's pretty exciting. And now I screwed it up, didn't I, Gabe? So let me pray for you, and I'll close. Okay, Father, thank you so much for this time to share with this body. Lord, I know that you're so well-pleased with them. I know that they are experiencing a growth, not just in numbers in this room, but in faith and in believing that you are doing something in their midst. I know also, Father, that you are calling several of us in this room, if not all, to step out of the boat. Some people here are walking on the water, Lord. May they continue to keep their eyes on you and not on themselves and not on the fears around them. But for those that are sticking in that boat, Father, I pray for faith. And you tell us that faith comes from you, not that uh, us, because we can't boast about it. So I pray for an extra amount of faith that they would step out of the boat and reach out to you. And thank you, Father, when we, when we fall, that you're right there to pick us up and that you're thrilled that we got out of the boat. I love you, Lord. Um, we pray for the life in this town. We pray for the young girl Friday that came in that she would choose life for her child, and that she would be enveloped in a family of believers that would love on her. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oops. You I think it. I take stuff. Yeah. There we go. I think that's it. Okay. There, there you go. Okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Kim. What a, um, a blessing your message is to all of us. Uh, such a powerful message. And, and I think um, one of the reasons why it's so powerful is because it involves story. And, and you told uh, as part of your story, but you also told so many stories from Scripture, from the Old Testament, from the New Testament. And, 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 and our story is just a, a, a part of God's bigger story. And I think that's why it's so compelling. It's because our lives are made up of stories. You're living a story right now. 
And, and I love how you encouraged us to get out of our comfort zone because that's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard to get out of our comfort zone. We like kind of living in the box. We love having the boundaries and we just stay within the boundaries and we don't want to get outside of our comfort zone. But you have to be willing. You have to be willing to trust and have faith and then to see what God is doing. And before Kim uh, got up and talked to us, we sang a song. And, and I love the lyrics of the song. It says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to you I freely give. I will ever love and trust you. In your presence I will live. And it talks about surrender. And, and I think that's hard for us. I think, I think surrender is the hardest step in our Christian journey. You know, um, you, you kind of say, okay, well, what are the steps of, of Christianity? Well, maybe the first step is going to church, and maybe that's hard, you know, because I don't want to get out of bed. It's Sunday morning, um, and it's a little outside my comfort zone. And you come to church, and then uh, God's calling you to go a little bit deeper, and maybe you surrender your life to Jesus. And, and, and that's a, part, a big part of the journey as well. But, but I believe that surrender is the most important part. And we talk about different ways that you surrender and you say, okay, well, I'm going to surrender uh, maybe my family to, to God. I'm going to trust God with my family. And I'm going to surrender my career to God. And I'm going to trust God with that as well. But usually the last step, the hardest step, is our finances. Because we come to church and you say, you know what, Pastor, I trust you to talk about like how to grow deeper with God. And I trust that you can uh, help me become a better parent. And I can um, trust you that you know, in retirement that, that you're going to give me the things to do um, you know, that, that will help me feel fulfilled. But when it comes to money, mm, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me what to do with my money. But, you know, over the years, I've heard so many powerful testimonies about how God has worked through people's lives through giving and through surrendering that last aspect, that last step. And we're entering into a time of worship. And, um, and when we go into this time of the offering, this, this time of giving isn't just for the church. This time of giving is for you. This time of giving is for you because when you give, you, what you're saying to God is, I trust you. I trust you. This is, and trust is just another word for faith. I have faith, God, that you're going to take what I give you, just a small portion of what you've given to me, and you're going to use it to multiply it. And you're going to bless other people with it. And it may not be something that I see on this side of eternity. I may not recognize the ripple effect that you're having until I get to heaven. But God, I trust you with this. And so that's what this time is about. It's to say, you know what, God? I trust that you're going to, you're going to do something amazing with this. And maybe it's to, to, to help make all this happen on Sunday mornings. Maybe it's to help a pregnant mom who's scared out of her mind, doesn't know what she's going to do. We don't know. And that's where the trust comes in. That's where the faith comes in. So I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we get ready to pray for our morning offering. And we're just going to have a couple moments of silence so that you can start to talk to God about what he's calling you to do. Let's bow our heads.
O gracious God. You are the ultimate provider for our lives. Because you're the source of our life. You knit each of us in a womb. You know the numbers of hairs on our heads. You gave us new life through your son, Jesus. And God, you're calling us to be bold. You're calling us to get out of our comfort zone. You're calling us to take risks. And God, if we're being honest here, that's scary. But this Christian life isn't about being safe. It's about being bold. Bold with our words, bold with our actions. Because you don't give us a spirit of fear. You give us a spirit of courage. And so God, as we put our trust in you during this time, help it to shape us Help it to shape our lives. God, you're doing so many good things in us and through us. And so God, as we enter into this act of worship, this act of giving, help us to surrender. Surrender the control and have complete faith in you. Trust in you. God, all to you, I freely give. I will ever love and trust you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.